Well, y'all, I am super pumped uh, to close out this series that we've been in for several weeks now. Uh, y'all help me out. What's the title to the series? The Battleship Church. I think this has been my favorite series that we've ever done. Uh, throughout this series, I've got to explode things. I've got to play with guns while I was preaching. I got to play around with a sword while I was preaching. It's been my kind of series. Anybody else, this has just been your kind of series? Uh, and so if you haven't been with us, I'd like to kind of catch you up real quickly. Um, throughout this, this last five weeks, we have talked about, week number one was all about defining the war, um, that there is a war that's going on around us. And week number one was all about how to see what Satan is doing, how to see what God is doing. How, how can I uh, begin to open up my spiritual eyes to see the war that's going on around me? How many of y'all throughout the last six weeks have seen more in the spiritual realm than you've ever seen before? Wow. Okay, you can put those hands down. Week number two was all about using the, the uh, weapons that God has given us. So just as we get into the military and we have weapons, week number two was about the weapons that God has given us, uh, prayer and um, fasting and worship and the word of God. And we talked about the Holy Spirit and the things that he does. Week number three was all about the reason that we fight. And the reason that we fight was souls. Everybody say souls. And this, this quote that's been eating me up for a long time now, a soul is the most important thing on the planet, so much so, the most valuable thing on the planet, so much so, so that heaven and hell war over them daily. And I felt like God was stretching us to join that fight. Week number four was about defending against the enemy. We talked about and trained on how to defend our minds, how to defend our families, how to defend our church. Last week was probably my favorite. It was storm the gates of hell. Everybody say storm the gates. Storm the gates of hell. When I say that, it just makes me want to kick Satan in the face. Anybody else? Yes. And so last week I had a lot of fun. It was a great message. I think it was a great message. Um, we're diving into today. Today I want to preach to you a message. It's going to be quick. I know we don't have as much time as usual, but I want to preach to you a message called Fight Till Death. And as we get ready to dive in, I do want to remind you today is the very last day to say your memory verse, Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19 through 20. Um, but the, the message is fight till death. And I've really been praying over the last week, God, how do you want me to land the plane, if you will? This, this series has been building. It's been preparing us. It's been training us. And so I'm like, Lord, how do you want me to finish and close out this series? How do you want me to land the plane? How do you want me to be done with this so that we can move to something else? And as I was, as I was listening to God this week, I felt like that he gave me three things. And there are three things that I want to give you today. And uh, I do feel like they're very, very important. And so I want to encourage you to take notes. Um, um, so I'm just going to dive in. Number one in your notes is I fight demons, not people. I love our new shirts. How many of y'all have seen the shirts? I fight. She's got one on right there. I love it. I fight demons. I, I, now that I've, this, God's been really putting this in my spirit, I wish that we would have put not people. Uh, I fight demons, not people. And, and I'm going to stop here because I really want you to get this because I think that sometimes we get confused here. Okay. Um, in Ephesians chapter six and verse 12, we've went over this over and over again. It says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. I, I need you to hear me, church family. How many of you want to be effective for the kingdom of God? Okay, so how we become effective for the kingdom of God is that we make sure that we are fighting demons. 
We are fighting evil spirits. We are fighting demonic forces. When we fight demons, evil spirits, and demonic forces, what happens is we, we push back the influence of the enemy off of people and we draw people to the influence of God. Now stay with me. But when we make the mistake of fighting people instead of the enemy, what happens is, is we push them under the influence of the enemy and we push them away from the influence of God. And this is so important because I think a lot of times we don't understand who the enemy is. And we've seen it there. If you fight people, you're not going to be effective for Christ. You're going to push people away from Christ. Listen, and I want you to know, it doesn't matter how evil people are. We don't fight people. Y'all are quiet today. I believe that you can have the right heart. You can have the right desires. You can have the right intentions. And without even realizing it, you can actually fight against God by pushing people away from God because you're fighting people. Now, I don't want you to get confused because I think that you can get confused because there's this balance that I'm trying to find. I feel like I'm having a hard time finding it, okay? We always fight sin. We always stand against sin. We always stand for the word of God and we never back down from truth. And sometimes when you fight sin and when you stand for the Bible and you stand against, sin, uh, 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 against the things of sin, what happens is people get offended and they think that you're fighting them. Anybody ever find that to be true? But what I need you to understand is that anybody that has a soul, God is fighting for. This whole series has been about fighting for souls. And so anyone that has a soul, God is fighting for. Every person has a soul. Listen to me. Witches are not the enemy. That sounds kind of almost opposite to say, Right? Witches seem like they might be the enemy. They're working for the forces of darkness. We're working for the forces of light. They're the enemy, right? But they're actually not the enemy. You know why? Because witches have souls. Stay with me. Witches have souls. That means that if we can push back the influence of the, the enemy on the soul and we can influence them with Christ, then if they give their life to Jesus, what happens is recently this has taken place. A, 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 a very well-known witch, it was a tattoo artist. She just recently got saved and now is transforming people for Jesus. You know why? Because she was influenced by Jesus' people. When, when a witch is influenced, instead of pushed away from Jesus, when they're brought to Jesus, then they can really do some harm to the kingdom of darkness. And this is hard to say too, but Satanists are not the enemy. Say, well, they're not the enemy. You know why they're not the enemy? Because they have a soul. And the Bible says that God's will is to draw all men to him. All souls to him. So if you are fighting against Satanists, and if you are fighting against witches, and if you are fighting against people, then guess what? You're actually fighting against God. We fight against the influence that the enemy has on people, not people. Okay? Like, okay, how can we land it, Josh? Now, I, can I bring it a little bit more home? Okay, I'm gonna bring it home. People that decide to let their kids dress up for Halloween or God forbid, take them trick-or-treating. They're not your enemy. Did y'all know that? Some of y'all, I'm wondering if we know that because I've seen Facebook posts the last three weeks, my God. 
Or if you're, I have never in my life seen people take the stance like they have taken the stance. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Y'all like, I ain't raising my hand on that one. I'm saying, I've I seen so many posts. This, this uh, like, I, I stand against Halloween and, and, and not that I hate Halloween. I, I stand against Halloween too. But listen, we, what we've done is, is, is we've had this side of Christians. These are all Christians that say, if you're a Christian, you shouldn't go. You shouldn't dress up your kids. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't. And so they're taking this, this full on approach. And what they're doing is they're attacking those people. And then these people are like, y'all are stupid. If I dress my kids up, it's not really that big of a deal. And so there's like this mess. Did y'all see that on Facebook? Oh my gosh, it was the dumbest thing. If I was not a Christian, I'd have been making fun of some Christians. In fact, as a Christian, I was still making fun of some Christians. But then it really hurt my heart. You know why? Because in no way did that do anything positive for Jesus. So, so what do you do, pastor? I'll tell you what I do. Then you can do whatever the heck you want. Here's what I do. Colossians chapter three in verses 23 and 24. It says, and whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not to men. <laughs> Can I be real with you? Some people take such a hard stance here because they want people to see them as like real holy. It's not necessarily that they're doing it heartily for God. They're doing it heartily for people to see them. Oh, and so it says here, and whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ Jesus. Listen, you can judge me if you want to, but here's what I do. I do whatever my wife tells me to do. <laughs> so here's how this works. Uh, we get ready for, I, I hate Halloween. I don't want anything to do with Halloween. I think it's horrible, uh, but I also hate Christmas and most Christians love Christmas. And so they judge me uh, during Christmas time because I, listen, y'all, you can tell me whatever you want, what we have created and made Christmas to be. I hate it. It's not about Jesus, it's about people getting presents. It's stupid. It's nothing to do with Jesus. It's the dumbest thing. Anyways, but you know what? You can feel how you want to about Christmas. I now feel how I want to about Christmas and we can be friends. And when it comes to Halloween, can I just, can I just, can we be, you can disagree with the way that we do Halloween and we can still be friends. We don't have to argue about it on Facebook. So what I do is I ask my wife, what are we doing? Usually we take my daughter and we go downtown and, uh, and, and here's what I do. And this is why I think it's important for you to understand. Instead of like putting this, I am staying away from everyone and everything so that I can be holy. What if we went into dark places to be a holy people to shine a light? I wonder what that would look like. And so for me, we actually went trick-or-treating. I hate trick-or-treating. It was horrible. I had a trailer. I got cussed out about five times because I was in Crown Colony. And you don't take trailers in Crown Colony. I've never done it before. It's a Don't do it. Horrible idea. I literally had somebody walk up to the window and start yelling at me because her husband couldn't get by in his truck. Uh, and you know what I did? Satan was trying to tip me to not be Jesus. But what I do, everything that I do is for the Lord. So if I'm driving a truck around and crying colony, even though I don't want to be there, I'm going to do everything that I do for the Lord. So she says, some screams at the window, and I said, the Lord loves you. <laughs> I really did, true story. And, uh, and then my wife got in the truck. I said, I'm never doing this again. 
I am not ever taking a trailer again to Crown Colony. That's the worst thing that you could ever do. But listen, here's, here's what I want you to understand. You don't have, you can feel however you want to feel. You can be that like, oh, I hate Halloween. That's great. I'm not judging you for that. What I'm saying is we should not be attacking each other for it. It's not worth it. It's not doing anything for the Lord. That is not shining light in the darkness. All that's doing is making people look at us and go, yeah, they dumb. And so maybe we should, what we should do is focus on doing everything that we do, do it as unto the Lord. I will do what I do as God leads me to do it. You do what you do as God leads you to do it. And we can be friends. And we don't even have to argue about it. We can just agree to disagree. Somebody say amen. amen. I swear if we would spend half as much energy loving people and reaching people as what we do arguing about dumb things, probably half the world would be saved. Don't make the mistake of making people your enemy. It's the demonic influence over them that is the enemy. Somebody say amen. amen. Number two, in your notes. I really like number two. Take back what the enemy stole from you. Yeah. Take back what the enemy stole from me. How many of y'all remember that old song? I'm going to do the Kevin Pogue rendition to this song, but I need y'all's help. Y'all ready? Okay, here we go. Well, I went to the... Here's Kevin Pogue. And I took back what he stole from me. Yes, I took back what he stole from me. Well, uh... Oh, yeah. How many of y'all remember that? Uh, and then you get to that part where everybody jumping like, he's under my feet. Uh, he under. Man, we need to go back to that. Some of y'all didn't get to experience that. Next week, Simeon, I want to see you on the drums beating the heck out of them things. Amen. So listen, the truth is, y'all, that we serve a restoring God. We see it all in scriptures. Some of us, we have, a, we have issues believing that we serve a restoring God. I want to show you in scripture. Look at you. You dive into the Old Testament. You see in Job. Y'all had an epiphany with Job this week. You ready to hear it? You know, I've always asked the question, why didn't Satan take Job's wife? (laughs) Yeah, I know. Here's why I think Satan did not take Job's wife, because God restored double everything that he gave and he wasn't ready for that. <laughs> Amen. I mean, I know what I'm talking about. Okay, we're going to move on. So the Bible says that God restored everything double back to Job. But then we, we, we stay in the Old Testament for a little while. And Israel multiple times is disobedient to God. And so what happens is God allows everything to be taken from Israel. Sometimes he allowed them to be taken themselves and they were into slavery. But when they turn back to God, what we see is that he restores everything back to them over and over. Israel uh, disobeys God. They get everything away from him. And then it's restored and then it's gone and then it's restored over and over and over again. It was a crazy cycle that we read with Israel in the Old Testament. And then we get to Abraham and Abraham had a lot restored. And we have David in the Bible that it says the Amalekites, uh, uh, while David was away, they came and they, they rummaged through and they took all these kind of things. And so David went and in the Bible, I love this scripture in, in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 18 and 19. It says, so David recovered all, everybody say all, all, all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives 
and nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great sons or daughters, full or anything which they had been taken from them. David recovered all. We say all. Listen, I want to tell you something that you need to hear. God wants to restore all things in your life. Say, well, that's a big, yes, it is a big statement. Pastor, I don't know. My marriage is just unrestorable. You don't know my husband. You're right, I don't. But I do know your God. And I know that probably the only thing that's holding you back from allowing God to restore it so many times is me. Amen? God can and he will restore something, but you have to be willing for him to restore it. Uh, Let's move on from, from, from marriage. How about our children? Pastor, you don't know my child. He is just, that's okay. You didn't know my mom's child. (laughs) And I know you're God, your parents, your finances, your health, your mind. God wants to restore all. I want you to hear me, y'all. Satan is so good at convincing God's people that God can't or won't or for whatever reason will not restore the things in their life. But God is saying, I want to restore it. Satan pulled it away. I want to bring it back. I want to bless it. I want to put my hands on it. But you got to let me. Everybody say, but God. Amen. So what in your life right now do you need to take back from the enemy? Your marriage, a relationship, sobriety, your mind, your finances, your health. Where do you need God to move in a supernatural way to restore what you have lost? I want you to think about that. I was thinking about this this past week. Man, God has been so good to me. I mean, obviously, the biggest testimony of my faith would be the fact that I was restored to God. Because I didn't, was not interested in being restored to God. And the fact that he loved me enough to draw me to him, that someone helped push the influence of the enemy away from me and draw me to God. I'm so thankful. So thankful. But then as I begin to think about all the different things, man, my marriage is just a testimony of the power of God. And marriage has been on me lately. I know that we've had several people that have been struggling and, and marriages that have been struggling. Listen to me. I want you to know, It was bad in our marriage, real bad. You know why? Because I was not saved. And when sinners sin, amen, Man, y'all judging me, chill out. I was not saved when we got married. I was 18. She was 17 when we got married. I was a partier. I went and worked to party and I did a lot of stupid, stupid things. And my wife found got to a place where she didn't trust me because she found out some things that I did that was stupid. And listen, she came to the room when she found these things out and she said to me, the only reason I'm not leaving you is because I'm not going home for people to tell me I told you so. It was bad. She made me move to the other side of the house. Bad, real bad. I actually did not think, and it was in the middle of this that I got saved. And she didn't believe that I actually got saved at first. She thought I was doing it to try to get, get her back um, uh, in my life. Listen to me. You say, well, you don't know my husband. You don't. I know your God. I know your God. I know your God. I know that I was in a really bad place. I know that God, if God can put us back together and next year we're celebrating 20 years. 
I know you're God. Don't you tell me he can't do it. I know from experience that he can. But God, don't quit. God wants to restore back to you the things that the enemy has stolen. Number three in your notes. Finish the race strong. Finish the race strong. You could say fight till death, which is the title of the message. Second Timothy chapter four. I'm going to read verses six through eight. It says, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me. The crown of righteousness with the Lord, the right, which the Lord, the righteous judge will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearance. The prize is not just for me, but for for all. The prize is for all that don't give up. The prize is for all who finish the race. The prize is for all of us that keep fighting until the end to be with Jesus. I thought this week of biblical examples that I could use of the fight till death and Two of them came to my mind that I thought were really cool to use. One of them is Stephen. Everybody say Stephen. Stephen. If you don't know the story of Stephen, I just want to share with you a little bit. In Acts, I believe it's chapter 7 maybe. Uh, yeah, Acts chapter 7. Stephen is preaching. In the middle of his preaching, he's preaching to a group of people that doesn't want to hear him preaching. Thank God you guys are gracious with me. Uh, and uh, so the Bible says they were beginning to get offended by what he was saying. Pretty much he was telling them that they were sinners, that they killed Jesus. And that sounds pretty offensive, especially because they did do those things. And, and so they wound up grabbing Stephen and dragging him out of the city. And the Bible says they threw him down and they begin to stone him. Okay. Now I want you to get what he, what happens to him at the stoning. Acts chapter seven, verses 59 and 60 says, as they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. Talk about somebody that was focused on souls literally until he got killed by the people that he was wanting to change their souls. Stephen's preaching to these people because he loves them and he wants them to repent. They begin to stone him. And what does Stephen do? He says, Lord, I know they're killing me, but don't hold it against them. Golly. And we argue about Halloween on Facebook. Another example that really might hit home a little bit more than Stephen, because we're probably not going to get stoned to death in the world that we live in is David. In first Kings chapter two, as David is on his deathbed, he brings Solomon, his son, in to make sure that he finishes his race. David's one of those people. I love David. I look at David and I see a lot of Josh. David made dumb mistakes. He loved the Lord. He's a man after God's own heart. For most of his life, he was very humble. Um, and, and so I, I just, I love looking at David because we get to see a human being when you see David. You look at, you know, some of the other prophets and you're like, golly, I'll never be that. You look at David, you're like, oh, I can be like that guy, right? 
And so like, yeah, I can repent. I can move forward. I can continue to be used by the Lord, even in my, in my, my dumb thing. So it, David literally worked his whole life all the way down to the end. Even at the end, he could not get out of bed. But what he does is he brings Solomon in and he has planned out all of the details of building the temple of God. He's planned out everything that needs to happen when he dies so that when he dies, the baton of everything that God needed to use him to do would be passed off to his son. He's about to die. He brings his son in after all of this different planning and he tells his son everything that he needs to hear and he's and I love what he tells him at first Solomon first of all what you need to know is you need to honor and follow the commandments of God first and foremost obey God and then secondly he he he, he says build an intimate relationship with God I love that and then he begins he these these are the plans for the temple these are the things that I need you to do. And then when he was done with his work, the Bible says he died. Work till death. I'm not saying you have to work till death, but I am saying you have to fight till death. In Revelation, in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10, it says that the day and night, the accuser is accusing. You know what that means? That means Satan's planning on fighting you until your last breath. That means you have got to fight back until your last breath. William B. Travis. Y'all are Texans. Y'all better know this story. The Alamo. Anybody ever heard of the Alamo? William B. Travis fighting in the Alamo was about to be overthrown by Santa Ana. And he wrote this letter. It was addressed to the people of Texas and all Americans in the world. He knew that without help, they were about to be overthrown because the, the Mexican army was about, I mean, they were about to, on all sides. And here was in the letter that he wrote, here's what he said, gosh, the enemy has demanded a surrender at discretion. That's what Satan wants from you. Okay, I'm done. I'm done trying, I'm done pushing, I'm done stretching. The enemy has demanded a surrender at discretion otherwise the garrison will be put to the sword if the fort is taken. I have answered the demand with a cannon shot and our flag still waves proudly from the walls. I will never surrender or retreat. I, I, I want you to hear me. Satan is demanding a surrender. We give up. We're done. We've tried too hard. We're wore out. We got nothing left. He's demanding a surrender and for you to stop fighting. And your response should be shots fired back at him with your banner raised saying that I will not surrender. I'll fight till death. I'll be there for my family. I'll be there for my church. I'll be there for, I will fight till death. But there's no surrender in me. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Altar team, would you guys step out and come to the front? The message this morning, I want you to reflect on it real quick with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I fight demons, not people. Take back what the enemy has stolen and finish the race. I believe with all my heart that God wants to do a work in you today if you will allow him to. As I was getting ready to preach this morning, I really felt like 
that the response to this message is for us to make a fresh commitment to God. What do you mean, Pastor? I mean, for some of you, it may be a fresh commitment like you need to commit yourself wholly to Him today. For some of you, it may need to be a fresh commitment that you're no longer going to fight people, but you're going to align with God to fight for people. For some of you, the commitment might be to start today to take back what the enemy has stolen from you, and you're not going to give up, and you're not going to give in. You're going to fight. For some of you today, it might be that God just placed it on your heart to make a fresh commitment at the end. Every head bowed and every eye closed. What I, what I felt like in my spirit needed to happen today was that this place would be a place of prayer where we are recommitting everything that we are to God. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, in just a second, if you need prayer or you want someone to pray with you, I want to invite you to step out and I want to invite you to come and find one of our altar team members to pray with you. Listen, we believe in miracles in this place. If you need a miracle, we're believing God for miracles today. But if you're here today and you say, Pastor, this message is for me, a fresh commitment to God, a fresh commitment, and you need to make a fresh commitment to God, there's, I want to invite you to come down to the altar. I want to invite you to turn and make an altar at your chair. I want to invite you today to do whatever it is that the Holy Spirit's leading you to do to allow him to do the work that he wants to do in you. And as you do this, our, our worship team is going to lead us in worship. If you know that you need to be down here making a fresh commitment to God or getting prayer right now, would you step out and come? Come on, do not allow Satan to talk you out of getting back what you need to get from him. Step out and come right now.